Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Find hidden clues and uncover a murder mystery. Solve mind-teasing mysteries of the Roaring Twenties. Engage your sense of observation to find hidden clues. Search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris and uncover a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve. We're all here because we love true crime, right? Well, this game has the perfect twists and turns to keep your brain asking, what happened here? There's nothing I love more than getting to decorate my very own luxurious state island. The best part? You can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hello, listeners. I'm your host, Amara, and this is Black Girl Gone, a true crime podcast. On this episode of Black Girl Gone, we tell the story of Sharon Davis, a 51-year-old mother and teacher who disappeared on June 13, 2001, from Dallas, Texas. On the day she disappeared, she dropped off her daughter at a bus station. But Sharon was never seen or heard from again. Five days after she was last seen, Sharon's car was found abandoned in a parking lot. What happened to Sharon Davis? In this episode, we tell Sharon's story. When Sharon Davis went missing in June 2001, she was getting ready to take her life back. Sharon was 51 years old, married, and had raised two children who were in college at the time. And she was settled into her career as a teacher. To a lot of people who were looking in from the outside, Sharon's life appeared to be almost perfect. But you know that looks can be deceiving, and everything that glitters ain't gold. Now, there were a few articles regarding Sharon's case, but the most detailed one came from the Dallas Observer, and it was published a little over a year after Sharon vanished. According to that article, Sharon was born in Mobile, Alabama in 1950. Sharon was one of four children, and after her mother and father's marriage ended, Sharon's mom moved her and her three siblings to L.A. and then later to Las Vegas. Once Sharon graduated from high school, she went on to college and then eventually went to grad school where she got her master's in public administration from California State University at Los Angeles. Sharon was described by the people who were closest to her as shy and quiet. Her sister said that she wasn't a very confident person and she struggled with her self-esteem. But in 1980, Sharon met Ronald Davis. Ronald, who went by Ron, was from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where he had graduated from law school several years earlier. And Ron was also divorced and had had a daughter from that marriage. 
Now, we don't know what Sharon and Ron's relationship was like in that time before they got married. And I'm actually not sure when they were married exactly, but it does seem, based on the timeline, like they didn't know each other that long before they were married. And then shortly after the wedding, the couple moved to Dallas, Texas. Now, the move to Dallas was a surprise for the people who knew Sharon because, according to Sharon's family, they didn't know why the couple moved to Dallas. They said they didn't know anybody there. And Ron was from Wisconsin, where he had went to law school and passed the bar. But he never even attempted to take the bar in Texas, which was strange to Sharon's family. But Ron ended up taking a job as a code enforcement officer for the city of Dallas. And the couple settled into their life in Texas. When they first moved to Dallas, Sharon worked as an accountant, but then she got a position with Ron as a code enforcement officer. She then eventually left that position and became a counselor at the Juvenile Justice Center. And then her time as a counselor would eventually lead her into teaching. The couple ended up having two children together, Ron Jr. and Autumn. And Sharon's friend said that Sharon was a devoted mother who adored her children. But the couple's marriage began to have issues really early on in their relationship. And in 1985, Sharon decided to file for divorce from Ron. Sharon's plan was to move back to L.A. with her children. She even took money out of the couple's account for the move. But for whatever reason, Sharon decided to reconcile her marriage, and eventually the couple got back together. But the tension in their marriage would not only stay, but it continued to grow as the years went on. By 2001, Sharon had been teaching for years and had decided that she wanted to be a principal. And so she began taking courses at the University of Texas at Arlington. Sharon had been teaching third grade, but had decided to teach sixth grade for the following year, and so she was training for that change. On June 13th, 2001, Sharon and her daughter Autumn left their home in Sharon's green minivan. It was around 7.30 a.m., and Sharon was going to drop Autumn off at the bus station. Now, Autumn was in college at the time, but she was home for the summer, and she had a summer job, which is why Sharon was dropping her off and the bus station was a little less than two miles from their home. Now, according to Autumn, her mom's plan was to drop her off at the bus station and then go back home to change her clothes, and then she was headed to training at the school she worked at. Sharon, however, did not show up for the training. When Autumn returned home later that evening, Sharon was not home. But Autumn at that time did not know that her mother had also not shown up for her meeting. Sharon's routine was pretty methodical, and she was usually home by that time. And even if she wasn't home, Autumn would normally know where she was. So Sharon not being home actually worried Autumn. Autumn decided to call her brother, Ron Jr., who they called Ronnie, to tell him that their mom had not come home yet. And so once Ronnie learned that his mom had not come home, he decided to go looking for her. Ronnie went to the campus Sharon had been taking those courses at, 
to become a principal to see if, you know, she was there studying. But Sharon wasn't on campus. Ronnie then decided to follow the route back that his mother would have taken to the campus to see, you know, maybe if her car had broken down along the way. But there was no sign of Sharon. So both Autumn and Ronnie are now pretty much panicking. I mean, it's completely not like their mother to just not come home. Sharon was always, you know, telling her family where she was, when she was coming home. And, you know, especially in these recent months, she had been really diligent about telling them where she was and when she was coming back home. So after Ronnie and Autumn couldn't locate Sharon, they spoke to their father, Ron, and asked him to file a missing persons report. But Ron refused. Autumn and Ronnie recall their father telling them that police would not take the report because it had not been 24 hours, which technically is true in most police departments. But Ron's demeanor was that of someone completely unconcerned that his wife wasn't home and that their children were worried. But the next day, when Sharon still had not returned, Ron did call the police department to report that his wife had not come home. But Ron tells police that he doesn't think that she's missing. He thinks that she's gone off to Lake Tahoe because that's what she had been saying. So you may be listening to this wondering, like, okay, what's up with the husband? Because that's not how you would expect a loving husband to react. But Ron was not exactly a loving husband. And although the couple had decided to stay married after Sharon filed for divorce back in 1985, the marriage had been anything but happy. And in the years leading up to Sharon's disappearance, the couple had become more like roommates. They didn't even sleep in the same room. So on June 11th, 2001, just two days before Sharon disappeared, she filed for divorce from Ron. And so police began to launch an investigation into Sharon's disappearance once they spoke to Ron. He told police that he thought Sharon was in Lake Tahoe, but when police checked the hotels in and around Lake Tahoe, Sharon was not there. On June 18, 2001, five days after Sharon disappeared, Sharon's green minivan was found parked in a lot of a Bally's Total Fitness. Now, when police found the van, one of the windows had been broken out and the vehicle had been wiped clean of any fingerprints. When police interviewed the staff at Bally's, they said that they remember the car being there since at least midnight on the night of the 13th. And Sharon had been a member at that gym, but records showed that she had not been there since about the first week of June. So once police discover Sharon's vehicle, especially in the condition that they did, it leads police to believe that Sharon did not leave on her own and that foul play may be involved. And so police began to talk to the people closest to Sharon. You know, they want to find out more about her life and what could have possibly happened to her. But Ron didn't want to talk to police. 
And what the police find during their investigation, along with Ron's less than cooperative behavior, starts to make Ron look suspicious. So once police started to speak to those close to Sharon, they started to learn a lot about Ron and his marriage to Sharon. Autumn and Ronnie told police that Ron was verbally abusive to their mom, and he would belittle her. They saw it as mental abuse. They described him as having a bad temper, and that despite the fact that Sharon worked during their entire marriage, he controlled all the finances. The marriage between Sharon and Ron was not a happy one, and their children knew it. They often found themselves in the middle of the tension between their parents, but Sharon, who her sister said was meek, just took the abuse. She said Sharon really wanted to be married. Having grown up in a single-parent home, her sister said Sharon didn't want to repeat that cycle, and so even though she had been unhappy since Ronnie and Autumn were little, she stayed with Ron. Now, Ron is a complicated man whose family didn't really seem to know that much about him. Ron had become active in the political scene in Dallas in the early 90s and was even elected to the executive board of Dallas's chapter of the NAACP. But he was eventually removed from his position when the NAACP said that there were allegations that there was irregularities in the election. So Ron had stopped working for the city after he was mugged while working in a city building. Ron ended up suing the city after years of litigation. The city gave up and Ron ended up being awarded like five years of back pay. But like I said, he was complicated. And after he left the city, Ronnie and Autumn say they aren't really sure what their father did for work exactly. He told them that he traded stocks and that he worked as a financial advisor, but they weren't really sure. According to those close to Sharon, Ron was all about the facade. Like He really wanted people to think that he was wealthy and well-connected. But in reality, his children say that he was mean and cheap. And despite the image that Ron was trying to portray, his family was miserable. In the weeks following Sharon's disappearance, Ron would not speak to police in person. But eight days after his wife disappeared, Ron retained an attorney. Now, it would be three weeks before Ron would agree to speak to police in person. And he made them wait two and a half hours before he would let them into the house on the day they came to speak to him. He also ran a tape recorder the whole time the police interviewed him. And they say that his first question was, am I a suspect? But he didn't offer much information or any details about what might have happened to his wife. Now, the next time Ron spoke to police, he said that when his wife left, she took $10,000 that they had stashed in their home. He also tells them that Sharon is mentally ill. And he introduces the theory that perhaps she checked herself into a mental hospital. Which, for everyone who knew Sharon, said that was not a possibility. And then Ron stopped cooperating with police. And when they asked him to show him 
where the money would be where that she took, they refused to show him show them where the money was. The weeks leading up to Sharon's disappearance were difficult for her to say the least. She had finally made the decision to leave her marriage, but she knew that that was not going to be easy. On June 6, 2001, Sharon went to visit a neighbor who she had developed a friendship with over the years, Sandra. And Sandra, her neighbor, recalled to the Dallas Observer that she was aware of the issues in Sharon and Ron's marriage. And she said that the day when Sharon came over that she was upset and that she asked Sandra if she would quote-unquote vouch for her in court that she isn't crazy. And Sandra told the Dallas Observer that Sharon was far from crazy, but that Sharon had also confided in her that she found papers that showed that Ron was trying to get her committed to a mental hospital. Sharon told Sandra that she, quote, can't live like this anymore and that she was going to file for divorce. And this time she was serious. The next day, on June 7, 2010, six days before Sharon disappeared, she went to see a divorce lawyer. She wanted to file for divorce that Monday, June 11th. And so the attorney drew up the paperwork and filed it. He also helped Sharon get a temporary restraining order that would not allow Ron to move any of the couple's assets. Sharon began preparing for her exit. But she knew that Ron was not going to make it easy for her. And so Sharon, over the next several days, began calling her friends and family to tell them that she had filed for divorce. But her calls were not just notifications of her pending divorce. Sharon was calling people because she was afraid. On June 9th, two days after she went to that lawyer, Sharon left a message for her sister who was living in Los Angeles. And her sister said that Sharon's message said that she told Ron that she had filed for divorce and that Ron threatened her. And she asked her sister to check on her frequently. Sharon's sister said that Sharon told her that Ron said something might happen to her and that their children would not miss her because, quote, people get over losing parents all the time. A few days later, Sharon called again. And this time she spoke to her sister, who told her that Ron had called her a sneaky bitch. And then she again asked her sister to check on her. But this time she asked her to check on her every day. And so clearly Sharon was afraid. And although there had never been any allegations of any physical violence from Ron, Sharon clearly wanted people to know what was going on. But her sister wasn't the only person Sharon called in those days leading up to her disappearance. She also reached out to her father, Eugene, and told him similar things about Ron threatening her and asked him to check up on her every day, too. Four days before her disappearance, Sharon went to a black party with Sandra. And Sandra told the Dallas Observer that Sharon told her while they were at the party that, quote, if the house alarm goes off, call the police. If you love me, I want you to call 911. 
She also told Sandra, quote, if anything happens to me, you tell it. Sharon was becoming increasingly more worried about her safety. She was telling everyone close to her that Ron was allegedly threatening her. The Sunday after she went to the block party with Sandra, Sharon attended an event with a friend of hers, Mary. And Sharon told Mary what she had been telling her family and friends. And she also revealed to Mary that Ron was telling her that she was crazy. She also told Mary that she had found a journal that Ron had been keeping and he was using it to track where Sharon was going and when she was coming back. Mary told police that she told Sharon that she needed to call the police because the behavior Sharon was describing was disturbing. But Mary also tells police that when they returned to the Davis home after the event, that Sharon invited her in, which she found weird considering Sharon had just told her all of these horrible things about Ron. So why would she be inviting her in? She said that she was really surprised about how nonchalant Sharon was acting. And maybe Sharon, who was meek and mild-mannered, just didn't want to make matters worse. I mean, she was telling people in confidence so they would check on her, but maybe she just didn't want to upset Ron. I mean, who knows? But, you know, Sharon was telling everyone the same story about Ron. And Sharon's brother, who spoke to her that evening before she went out with Mary, said that she told him that she was afraid of Ron. But her brother said that he didn't take what she was saying very seriously. He just assumed that she was nervous and upset about the divorce. But looking back, maybe Sharon did have a reason to be afraid. In those days leading up to Sharon vanishing, she was becoming more and more worried that something might happen to her. Autumn told the Observer that she never heard her father make threats towards her mother, but that her mom had asked her not to leave her alone until the divorce was final. And on June 13, 2001, Sharon Davis got into her green minivan, dropped her daughter off at the bus station two miles from their home, and was never seen again. The next day, June 14th, a constable came to the Davis home to serve Ron those divorce papers that Sharon had filed three days earlier. But Ron refused to be served and has dodged every attempt since. In the months following Sharon's disappearance, her family tried to search for her, but they found nothing. And as much info as I could find about Sharon, I couldn't find much about the investigation no theories from the police. Ron was never named a suspect or an official person of interest in his wife's disappearance. The police would only name him as an uncooperative witness in a missing person case. In September 2001, Ronnie went to his father's home to confront him. Ronnie and Autumn both thought that their father's behavior was suspicious and his story had changed multiple times during the past several months. Ronnie wanted answers, and so he went to his father to ask him what he knew about his mom. But Ron didn't want to talk to his son. 
And the conversation quickly escalated into an argument, and Ron ended up pulling a gun on his son. Now, Ronnie was able to get out of the house unharmed, and he pressed charges against his father, but a grand jury decided not to indict Ron on the assault charges. And Ronnie never got any answers from his father. Ron spent most of his time in the months following his wife's disappearance trying to convince people that his wife was crazy and that she left on her own. He claimed that he was searching for his wife, but his actions said otherwise. Now, in a little bit of a twist, the lawyer that Ron hired eight days after Sharon disappeared ended up being on the opposite end of a small claim suit brought by Ron himself. Ron sued his former lawyer, claiming that she owed him the retainer he had given, plus some other legal fees he had paid to her. But his attorney, or former attorney, ended up revealing things that Ron didn't necessarily want out in the public. His former attorney, in court, revealed that she thought that Ron had killed his wife. She said that her job while working for him was to make him look like he was cooperating, despite the fact that he wasn't. And her attorney told the jury that Ron, had Ron not hired his client to be his lawyer, that he would be in jail right now. And then she herself testified how she helped Ron get around not taking a polygraph test by asking for the questions in advance. Something she knew that the police would never go for, but they at least couldn't say that he had refused the test. She also testified that Ron was fixated on making Sharon seem crazy. She recalled that during a press conference shortly after Sharon disappeared that, you know, she had told reporters that the family was praying for Sharon's safe return. But Ron was upset by this because he wanted his attorney to say that Sharon was mentally ill and taking mood-altering drugs, and she refused to say it. Ron ultimately lost that case, and the judge actually awarded his former attorney money even though she wasn't seeking any damages. Ron seemed to be the only person in Sharon's life that said she was crazy. He described behavior on Sharon's part that no one else in her life ever said. The last conversation that Sharon had with most of the people in her life consisted of her telling them that she was afraid of Ron. And then they never heard from her again. Sharon has been missing for 20 years. She would be 71 years old now, and there has been no trace of her. No leads, nothing. Unsolved Mysteries attempted to do a show about Sharon's disappearance, but after getting a scathing letter from Ron, they decided not to air the show. And the articles about Sharon's disappearance are old. Her case, despite all of the circumstances surrounding her disappearance, has gone cold. Sharon Davis was a mother and a teacher. And nothing about her indicates that she would have left on her own.
Now, Sharon's children were not little anymore, but she adored them. And even if she had left Ron and didn't tell him where she was, those closest to her know that she would have not left her children without contacting them for 20 years. There isn't any public information about where Ron, Ronnie, or Autumn are now. We don't know if they've been able to repair their relationship. But the story about what happened to Sharon needs to be told. She is just one of thousands of missing Black women who have gone missing. She wasn't young and she wasn't white, but she mattered. And she had a family who loved her. And they want to find her. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back next week with a brand new story. Don't forget to leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps our show grow so we can continue to tell these stories. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Black Girl Gone Podcast. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.